All right, hello everybody, and welcome to Making Amends Workshop. My name is Nancy, and I'm a compulsive overeater. And Nancy. hi, and I'm also your moderator for this meeting. Please join me in the Serenity Prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we get started, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic devices be turned off and set your phasers to stun. Thank you. We remind you that this session is being recorded. All speakers must sign the release form. So that's even those who do the three-minute share afterwards. We're going to hunt you down and ask you to sign this. To protect our anonymity, please no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. Uh, if there is a press in the room, please do not take any unauthorized pictures or identify anyone using their full name. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Reason 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. OA members are reminded when sharing to speak your, to your recovery in the program of Overeaters Anonymous only. The format for this session is as follows. We have three speakers who will share for 20 minutes each, followed by three-minute open pitches until the end of the session. The topic for this session is making amends. The following are readings from Voices of Recovery, page 245, and the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous, page 80 and 81. <clears throat> Wreckage from my past keeps me focused on others. This provides a distraction from my side of the street and my part of the story. Focusing outwards means I am still driven by guilt, resentment, or shame. None of these emotions permit me to be centered or stay in the moment. They distract me as much as compulsive overeating does. When I do a ninth step, I'm facing my relationships problems head on. I can then say I have done what I can do to right whatever wrongs I have caused in the past and have changed my behavior towards people in the present. By doing this, I slowly bulldoze out the debris of shame, resentment, and guilt. I then have space to let lightness in. Spirituality is the essence of lightness. When we finish our amends, most of us feel closer to our higher power than ever before. So I'd like to introduce our first speaker, and that is Katie from Pacifica. Sweet, I'm first. I can get it over with. I'm really <laughs> nervous. <laughs> and do I have my water right here, just in case I need to? Thank you. Hi. So my name's Katie. I'm a compulsive overeater. Guys, I am so excited to be here. I'm going to pass around my pictures because I'm going to very, very shortly. I'm going to give a really. Thank you. I'm going to give a little bit of my story because I really want to get to more about step nine. Um, but I have to put some of my story in there to kind of get to step nine because I think that's, I think that's important. Now I love this step and I was so excited that the, the convention committee asked me to speak on it because, um, step nine, I didn't get my abs, my current abstinence, which by the way, um, um, if I stay alive until, um, August 11th of this year, I'll have 17 years of, of abstinence. Thank you. And, and, but I didn't get that abstinence until I was well into my first set of nine step amends. So there's, there's definitely a, um, a, a, a school of thought in the, in the rooms that you shouldn't do the steps if you're not abstinent. And that 
actually makes sense to me. I mean, you know, there's people saying, well, you know, you shouldn't be working, the, you know, if you're an alcoholic, you shouldn't, you shouldn't work the steps while you're drinking, you know, if you're not sober. And that absolutely logically makes sense to me. But, and my experience was I needed to work the steps to get abstinent. So whenever I get a new sponsee, I ask where they are in the steps. And if they say, well, you know, I was working on the fourth step, but then I, you know, relapsed. And so I went back to step one. It's, I'm like, no, let's finish that fourth step. And if they're really insistent, they, need, they want to start over, then that's fine. But mostly I'm like, no, no, keep going. Because if you just keep starting over again, I don't know. Some, for some people, it just seems like they never get started. So that's just my opinion. And if you don't like it, you can listen to the rest of the speakers and other people at this convention. <laughs> Which may, seriously, take what you like and leave with the rest. That's the... Uh, is this too loud or too? I feel like I'm kind of over here. <laughs> you can hear me. Okay, great. Um, so cool. And then the other the other reason I think step nine is important is that everyone I know who has long term abstinence has they do a lot of service and they've worked all of the steps at least once. Um, so yeah. So just briefly to tell my story. I mean, I if I wasn't born a compulsive overeater, um, I definitely knew I was probably around the time I was about six or seven because I remember going to a doctor's appointment and my mother telling and the doctor telling my mother I was overweight and that I could lose the weight if I you know just didn't eat dessert and said no to seconds and I'm very very grateful my parents did not become the food police but then suddenly but I did get praised if I did indeed turn down seconds and 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 not have dessert and um you know for a while I used to think like oh my parents did the best they can but I don't think there's any right way they could have handled that you know um yeah you want to praise a kid if they do the right thing and they thought that was the right anyway there's anyway I probably would have overeaten whether whether that happened or not and I probably was doing that before that doctor's appointment like because I remember being the kid who could you know be at a birthday party and eat all the all the treats and if it was a a holiday where you had candy you know my stash would last maybe a week you know if I got a good haul but anyway (laughs) I um, am you know at but I, so yeah, I, I did a lot of overeating. Um, I, I passed for normal. I was a little chubby as a preteen. There's a picture there in my pictures where you can see I'm kind of square. I think my body, I felt like my body was square. Um, but then I got taller, got hips and breasts, then thinned out, um, looked pretty normal going into high school, but I was still, I was still doing a lot of overeating, a lot of binging. Um, you know, my, the, the rule about food in our house was pretty much, you can eat whatever you want, whenever you want. You know, unless some, somebody specifically said, you know, save this for this. Um, so, yeah, we just grabbed whatever we wanted. And I think if anything was, you know, missing, like a whole bag of cookies or something, they probably presume my brother ate it. And my brother is 6'5". He was very athletic as, as growing up. So he just needed to eat a lot more than I did. Anyway, so um, the first time I heard about program was um, – in high school, there was a, a teacher who had a sign on her on her in her in her classroom that said "anorexic bulimic try overeaters anonymous," and somehow that that name caught my attention, and I, I wrote down the the number. This is this is like in the '90s. So there was no internet. Um, wrote down the number, called it up, and that's they sent you a, a, a an unmarked envelope with the local meeting schedule. And again, I'm grateful to my parents. They were. Um, and this is what speaks to the disease. My, my, my family's pretty functional on the scale of dysfunctionality. Um, I still have the disease, you know. Uh, anyway, but they, they, they respected my privacy. They gave me the mail. I got the, I got the, the schedule, and I went to my first meeting the, the day before Easter of 1990. And um, it was freaking weird, man, all these weirdos in this room, you know, 12-step people. And I'd heard of AA, and I'm like, I don't know about this. But there was the hook. So um, not to go into a ton of details, I did that program for about, I, I tried the program for about two years. I actually lost a lot of weight right away. Um, didn't get past step three. 
then my then I lost my a lot of things happened. My, my I lost my absence. My sponsor had to stop sponsoring me. Blah blah blah. I, I floundered around. I, I I kept going to meetings. You know, I tried to find a sponsor. I tried to make friends, but it just wasn't it wasn't happening for me. And one day I woke up and realized, you know what? I don't have to go to away. There's, no one's gonna take me to jail if I stop going to meetings. And I just stopped. So um, and so all I can say the only thing I did wrong mistake I made was not keeping coming back. Like I probably quit five minutes before the miracle because you never know. Maybe the next meeting I went to, I would have found the perfect sponsor and just flown, but I chose to stop. So thank you each and every one of you, you know, for coming today and being here and, and, and taking a step towards recovery. As somebody mentioned last night, we're all abstaining right now. So dude, it's awesome. It's possible. Anyway, so I left and then I came back in um, May 1st of 2000 after a really interesting family experience. But I, 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 I sat reading um, what was then just the 12-step book. I had that. I got that back from somebody who I'd given my books to with the instructions of, I don't want these back. I'm never going back. Do whatever you want with them. But she happened to still have them. So I got them back. And I, I was reading step three and, and I just told God, yeah, okay, yeah, I want to stop eating compulsively, but I don't want to go back to Overeaters Anonymous to do it. I will take care of the physical with this diet program I'm in. I'll take care of the spiritual with this church group I'm in. And I'll take care of the emotional with the, um, the therapy. And I'm not here to endorse or oppose either of those, but they weren't keeping me abstinent. So, and I know there's a power greater than myself because a month after I made that declaration to God of what was going to happen, I walked into a meeting. So there you go. So yeah, my, my, my OA birthday is May 1st of 2000, um, which seems like a whole long time. It's like, wow, 18 years. What the Anyway, um, so yeah, so so I, I get a little fuzzy on the timing because part of me thinks it t- it took like nine months to write my first step, fourth step, and but I didn't get my first sponsor until like you know I'd been back in program for like nine months. I'm like the math doesn't add up, you know. Anyway, so um, but I got my first sponsor at a Unity Day, and like certainly like I guess the year after I joined, and um, I. I've been trying to get a sponsor, you know, I, I, and uh, and I don't recommend working the steps without out one. <laughs> it's it's a little hard. Um, but anyway, I was at a uni day, and she raised her hand and said, "I'm available to temporary sponsor." And I just remember, like, before I lost my nerve, I'm going to run across the room and talk to this woman. And we started working the steps. Um, uh, I don't work a how program, and, and she didn't either. But I like they have these 30 questions that take you through the first three steps, which I really like. I think they're really good. It's not you don't you're not like overdoing it or not spending forever on the steps, but you, but you get through them. And so we did the first three steps and then I did my first fourth step. Um, and I, you know, it was pretty thorough. I mean, it was people, places, institutions that I had resentments about. And I wrote about the situation, about my part. Um, and I gave it away. It took me about six hours to give it away. Um, and, um, you know, I, I'm, and I hear more and more people say this in the rooms. I did not get that sense of relief minute to minute as I, as I unburdened myself. I, at the end of my first fifth step, I felt like the biggest piece of shit that had ever been created. And I had three notebooks to prove it. So again, I'm grateful there's more steps after that. You don't just get, you're not, you're not step five, you're done. Aha, there's more to do. Um, we work step six and seven, you know, start, start to become entirely willing to have God remove my defects of character. And then I don't remember exactly how we did it, but I think we just talked for a little bit, said the seven step prayer, done. Step seven, no, you know, no big deal. Um, so then that, that we're getting closer to the topic of this workshop now. I went to step eight. Now, one way to work step eight um, is to go back and look at your resentment list from step four, because a lot of times people who have harmed us, um, you know, we've also harmed them. And, and you know, when you talk, when you talk about your part in, a resentment. It could be something you did. It could be a character defect, um, but it might be something you did. And what was really, really wonderful about step eight, and I specifically bring this up, 
um, because it, it enabled me to do step nine. What was great about my, when I was working my step eight is I went back and looked at those old resentments and those situations and I would think about them and be like, oh, that happened. It was neutrality around it. Whereas before I did any step work on those situations, I, I would think about that and be like, oh yeah, that's when so-and-so did blah, blah, blah. And no, 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 no. And how dare they? And just like, oh, just spin, spin, spin in my head, you know? Um, but I had this neutrality. And what I realized had happened is I had forgiven people for making mistakes. Some of them very big mistakes. I mean, let's, I'm not going to sugarcoat things. Sometimes people, sometimes really, people really do harm us. And, but they do because they're human. And somehow I was able to make the, make the logical conclusion of, well, they're human and get to make mistakes. I'm human and I get to make mistakes. So that, for me, opened up the door to be able to ask for forgiveness in step nine. And that's really part of, part of it. Um, not necessarily having to say, do you forgive me or I want your forgiveness. But I just, I think that's, for me, what part of that was, 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 was making amends and saying I'm sorry and feeling some kind of forgiveness. And I would say 99% of the amends I made in that first round were loving, very loving exchanges. And I felt a lot of, 10 minutes left, great, thanks. Um, I felt, and I felt a lot of self-forgiveness. Like I felt good about myself. Um, you know, they talk about in the literature, I could look people in the eye and, um, and that's what happened for me. So I did, I've done, I've done all sorts of, you know, amends. I have done, um, uh, amends to like, you know, show people, store people. Like I, I, it's, there's not a lot, I can't make, I can't make amends to every single customer service person I was rude to because, you know, how do you find Tiffany, you know, from, you know, AT&T? It's like, you, you can't, um, you just, it's got, that's gotta be a limiting amends, you know, just be kind and courteous to people on the phone, which can be really frustrating when you've gotten really crappy service, you know, from somebody else, or, you know, you've been put on hold 500 times and transferred all over the place. Um, you know, but things like that, I just gotta practice being patient. And sometimes I even say to people, I apologize in advance if I if I get if I get impatient, I've just you know, this is a really frustrating situation. And they're usually kind of they can help me out. But I remember going to a um, a mechanic who I'd been really rude to. Like I don't even remember what the issue was, but I know I like way overreacted and like just chewed this guy's head off that he did not deserve. And I remember when I went to go make amends. I asked to speak to the manager, and when he came out, he looked scared to see me because I'm, I'm pretty sure he remembered me. Um, and when and when he heard that all I had to say was I am really sorry for you know being so rude to you. I mean, he, his shoulders dropped, he smiled, and he just said thank you. You know, and if you ever need more service, bring your car in. You know, um, so that felt really good. Um, I recall making amends to my parents. Um, I, I, I separately made made them separately on the same Christmas day. And um, I think my sponsor and I both agreed that we didn't need to go through this big, long litany of everything that happened between me and my parents growing up. We could just kind of say, you know, hey, I'm really sorry for, you know, any of the trouble and angst I may have caused you growing up. And it was just really sweet. It was, it was very loving with both of my parents. And I remember, <laughs> but it was just so cute how different it was. My mom was like, um, she's like, oh, you know, thank you. I'm, I'm, and I'm so glad you're doing better. Like they knew I was in program, you know, because we were really worried for a while. And, you know, she just kind of did the mom thing, which, which was sweet. And then when I made events to my father, he's like, well, you know, that's, children are supposed to give you a certain amount of grief, you know, but, but I, but he had this, like, there's this tone and this look in his eyes, like you could tell that he appreciated it too. And there's a lot of love there. And it was just like, oh, okay, this feels good. Um, making amends to my brother was interesting. 
Um, cause I remember really resenting him for being able to eat whatever he wanted and not gaining weight. You know, um, part of that's, part of that's him being athletic. Part of that's men in my family just don't gain weight. It's like, God dang it. I've seen those guys eat so much. It's like, Ugh. anyway, but that's life on life's terms. Right. Anyway. And I know my brother's not a compulsive reader anyway, but I remember being, I remember saying to him once, like when you get older, I hope you get fat. And his response to me very, very appropriately was like, um, don't put that on me. You know, you can lose weight if you want to, but that's not my problem. And so I apologized for saying that to him. And he goes, he's like, okay, that's cool. But, you know, I was probably making fun of you for being fat at the time. And I'm telling you guys, I forgot that he used to do that. And I was like, oh, sweet that I got that back, you know, completely unsolicited. Um, I made some financial amends. And those actually came later after my first, my first, my first round. During my first round, the only financial amends I could think of was um, to a roommate of mine in college where I remember her saying, she got this big care package. She lived out of state and she had this big care package from her family full of all kinds of treats. And she said, well, help yourself if you want some. I think she meant by help yourself was like, have like a granola bar or, you know, a couple of crackers. I think I ate like an entire box of Ritz crackers and like, you know, a whole thing of granola bars. And, um, you know, I couldn't find her during my first, first set of amends. So my sponsor and I agreed like, okay, you know, make a, make a donation to a food bank and about that much and blah, 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 blah. And like, okay, I did that. And then a few years ago, she happened to surface on social media. And so I contacted her and I, and I, and I drafted the letter to her with my sponsor of what I was going to say. And, you know, I said, Hey, you know, where can I send you a check for this? And um, it's so funny. Every financial amends I've made, they've cashed the checks. Like, part of me thinks they won't. And <laughs> she's like, okay, we'll send it to this address and blah, blah, blah. And I did that. And, you know, and I've made amends for, like, you know, a uniform I didn't return. And there was some other one I did, you know, where I just kind of estimated what I owed. And, like, you know, a few months later, I noticed the check was cashed in my, in my uh, bank account. You know, and I'm grateful, you know, obviously nobody came back to me. I had some, I had some fun little ones. Like I once, um, like probably the tiniest amends I ever made was I was, I was out with some friends and one of my friends had been drinking a lot and we're leaving the restaurant and suddenly I hear this clink in my purse. My friend had decided to steal one of the spoons. And I just remember like every time I picked up that purse, the spoon would be in there. I was like, Ooh, I really should return this. I really should return this. I really should return. And finally I did. I mean, I I polished it up and I brought it back to the restaurant and they kind of laughed. I was like, yeah, I was in here a little while ago and my friend stole this and I want to bring it back. And they're kind of like, okay, thanks. I was like, hey, maybe. I didn't do it to make them feel better, okay? I did it for me. Thank you. I mean, that, and that's really why we do it. We do the amends for us. It's for our recovery. And, and in fact, that, that spoon story, when I talked about with my sponsor, she's like, well, yeah, you're probably not going to binge over that, but you know what? Just, just to be safe, you know, make you feel better and go do it. It's like, yeah, I'll go do it. Um, I'm trying to think of some other good ones. I just, I just love my step nine stories. Well, I, I continue. So I can, so, so step 10, and I'm not going to dwell on step 10, part, but part of step 10 is you continue to take inventory when you're wrong, promptly admit it. So it's basically, you keep doing step nine when you need to. And um, I'm really grateful. I feel like I can do that more often. And, and usually my men's to people, they're like, I have a big mouth, man. And sometimes I don't think before I speak and stuff just comes out. And I, I you know, I can think of one I said, you know, the other day, a couple years ago, you know, one of my coworkers was talking about his kid. And I have this thing where I love to interrupt people's conversation, like just butt into their conversation. I'm not even a part of it because I hear something that I have to just, I have to just respond to it. And it's like, because I have this witty thing that they, they know they'll love. And anyway, it ended up being completely inappropriate about his kid and something that happened. And I went and made amends and I, I said, I'm, I'm sorry I said that because I was not appropriate. And he had totally forgotten, but I think he appreciated it anyway. You know, and, I, and I've done that with other coworkers where I've just been short or, I don't know, been rude because, you know, it's all about me. It's all about, you know, if someone's in my way and not making, you know, I'm not going to cut you off. And anyway, um, 
so I, yeah, so I, so I do 10 steps around that if I need to write down my part and see if I make amends. I really love um, what lately I found, I think it was a couple years ago, they came with, with that pamphlet, 12 Stepping a Problem. And I love that, that piece of literature. I have worked through so many things in so many ways on that and including like, do I owe amends on this? And because sometimes I really need to start with like, I am powerless over this thing and I'm resentful that blah, blah, blah happened and what's my part? And sometimes, okay, sometimes my part is I, I have, I have really high expectations for everybody. I don't know if anybody else here has perfectionism, you know, but I expect a lot out of me. I expect a lot out of you. And when one of us, one or both of us doesn't measure up, then I am not happy. Um, and okay, if I don't know, if, if I didn't say anything about it or act in a bad way, okay, I don't know amends. But if I did, then I should go apologize. Or if it's just me, if I'm continuing to beat myself up, maybe it's time to do some prayer. Like I've actually asked God to forgive me for like doing something, you know, that I, for having a thought or just, you know, not, not acting in the way I thought was okay. Um, I've had to practice acceptance. Like I, I now write on the, on the, the, the sign in sheets at meetings. Acceptance is the answer because that is, that's really true. I mean, when I'm bothered because I find some part of my life unacceptable. Um, so I have to practice, practice that. Um, where else do I want to go with this? So yeah, so yeah, so part of 12 stepping the problem is, is doing the ninth step. And sometimes I've come up with these like, oh yeah, I need to take action. Like I need to make that phone call. I need to go ask for help on this. I need to go whatever, talk to this person, um, you know, start working on being patient or keeping my mouth shut. That's a, that's a huge one. Make, somebody's making amends, it's just keeping my damn mouth shut. Like the world can live without my witty comment. Um, so there you go. Um, Okay. You know, I think, I think that's all I'm going to say on this. I'm not going to, I'm going to spare you my witty, more of my witty comments and I will sit down and let, um, like the other two speakers share what they have to share. I'm excited to hear what you ladies have to say. So thank you for being here. Thank you for showing up and, um, have a great rest of the convention. (laughs) Thank you, Katie. Next we have Barbara from Santee. And the ninth step, well, I need to go back a little bit, but what, uh, in the big book, the ninth steps, uh, about the ninth step, they say that if you, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but this kind of is, that if you don't do it, you're going to drink again. So it's something that's extremely important, but there's a whole lot of steps that we have to go through before we can get to that point. And uh, I came into this program, and um, I had no character defects. I had no amends to make. And people just did some horrible things to me. They lied to me. They cheated me. They owed me money. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, They cheated me. They lied to me. They owed me money. They were rude to me. They didn't do what I said. They were know-it-alls. You know, I could just go on and on and on. And I had a lot of resentments, but not, I wasn't wrong. They were wrong. And um, so that's how I came into the program. And um, I worked step one. I worked step two. I worked step three. And in in, in succession, it took about 100 days to go through the first three steps about 100 days to go through the first three steps. Um, and back in the day, this was back in 77, and uh, my, uh, 
after 30 days, then you, you did your 30-day assignment, then you would be able to speak. And uh, my sponsor held me off 100 days before she allowed me up at the podium for anything. So um, that's just how raw I was. Uh, anyway, um, uh, it took over, over a year to um, finally start doing a uh, four-step. And um, I did, and that was a very long, involved novel that I wrote and, and my poor sponsor had to listen to. But uh, as the years have gone on, I've been, by the grace of God, I've been in the program for 41 years, and um, there's been multiple four steps. But I want to take you through what I've done with the last... Uh, four step that I've, or ninth step, excuse me, ninth step that I've taken. And um, one of the things that I've learned throughout, through the years, and, in, and that I used in the last amends that I made, was a th uh, the word realization, and it's in the big book. And what the realization is, is everything, every, all those things, they lied to me, they stole from me, they cheated me, they didn't listen to me, all of those causes that I had resentments at them for, the realization is I had to say, okay, um, they lied to me. Did I ever lie to them, or have I ever lied to anybody else? Did I ever steal from them, or did I ever steal from anybody else? Did I ever not listen to what they said and not done it? Uh, yeah. I went through every, every cause that there was, and... Um, asked if I had done that to them. And what that did was equal out the playing field. And um, they were wrong, I was wrong. And from that point, I could move forward. Before then, I, that resentment was hot and it was still there even though I did the resentment sheet. Uh, but doing the realization got me to the point of they were wrong and I was wrong. And when I got to that point, then it took me to, um, the, uh, to the sixth and seventh steps. All my character defects were out, uh, out there. I knew what those character defects were. I knew what the shortcomings were. I, I knew what those objectionable things that I did that, that when I would say or do something, somebody would kind of shake, you know, uh, do a little bit of this, and I'm going, oh, dear, I did it again. But, uh, yeah, I knew what those were, but I had no more power over getting rid of those than I did compulsive eating or any other thing. So they went into my sixth step. I read each and every one of those things to my higher power and then in the, and worked the seventh step and just prayed to be relieved of them. And when I was at the point that I could forgive um, that's, es that's essential to doing a ninth step that you don't have to end, that I didn't have to end up making amends for again for what I had done. I hope I'm, um, I may be rambling because I'm way off script, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, I had to let go of the resentment before I could do a, a ninth step with them. Um, what I did is I made a card 
for each resentment that I had for each person, and I put their name on it. And I didn't write a story. I didn't tell a story. I just said, this is the facts, ma'am. This is the thing that I'm making my amends for. It was simple and short. And uh, and then I would ask uh, them if uh, they... uh, if there was any other thing that I might have done to harm them, and and what could I do to make this up? So I would have this, I would have these cards all filled up, and at the top I would put a plus or a minus, and the plus was for somebody that I was willing to go out and make an amends to, a minus was where I still had some residual resentment, or if they had something else to say to me that I had done that would harm them, I not I might react to that and I didn't want to do no harm and in making amends I wanted to do no harm to those people that I'd already harmed so I had to be at that place where I was in total forgiveness so I had the plus and minuses when I went about to making amends um, I did the easy ones first and the easy ones were like the grocery stores and the coronet and different places like that and a lot of them by the time I got to program to making amends for them, they weren't in business anymore. So uh, that those were easier because I would just send, <laughs> those were those are the really easy ones. So I would just send the money. But if I was going to make to somebody uh, make amends to somebody, I would call, um, and if it was a program person, I would call and set up a time and said, "Do you have a few minutes that we could get together? I have some amends that I'd like to make," and uh, and then we set up a period of time and we'd meet. Um, before then, though, I had to be, again, I have to go back to, I had to be, un, the resentment was gone. I saw my part and their part, and it was just an equal playing field. We were just two people. And so um, the first ones I did were uh, grocery stores, and I would go to the manager, and I would tell them what I had taken. And really none of those people ever wanted to um, have me do anything. It was just... Uh, well, thank you very much for doing that, you know, and probably thinking, don't ever do it again. But, yeah, it was, it was, it was an okay, it, it, that, that was okay. Then um, program people were easier to go to, and um, I would call and make an appointment with them, and I would tell them what the harm was. And I'll give some examples in a little bit, but I had to do the work and be done with the resentment before I could go before anyone because I did not want to do harm. And that's the essence of, of step nine, too, is to do no harm. So um, I, um, I made the appointment. We had, we had plenty of time. I told uh, well, I'm just going to give you an example of one here. Uh, this one is, and this is embarrassing as I'll get out because it's an amend I made to my sponsor who, out of the goodness of her heart, hired me uh, for a job. And, um, and uh, so my amends, I set it up with her, and my amends to her uh, that I had padded my expense account and that I had overinflated my mileage report. And I'd been doing that for a long time. So that was that was the that was a really hard one, but I knew my part in that totally one hundred percent. And I asked if there were any other harms that I had done, and she says no, uh, no, no other harms. But she says she knew about it, 
And well, I, and uh, I, I did it for a long. Anyway, it's embarrassing. But this, I mean, that that was that was hard. But it had to be done because I did not want to go out and eat again. I did not want to put seventy pounds back on, and I didn't want to lie to this wonderful person anymore. Um, so um, I went through and figured out how much I owed her, and it was a large amount of money. And the reason, the reason I did this is because I was afraid I wasn't going to have enough money, and that doesn't count right. But um, so when I made the amends and made we made a payment arrangement because there was no way. Thank you. There was no way that I could get. Um, that money to her right then. So we, we bargained and, and made a payment arrangement, and it was something that I could keep, and, and I did, and then that worked out. That one worked out well, and I, she's passed now, but I, I love that woman, and, and she still loved me. Uh, um, I didn't want to do any harm, so I had to do that anymore. I had to do that. When I made that amends to her, the feeling was wonderful. It was wonderful. I felt good, you know, the guilt, the remorse, the the anger that we have about ourselves when we're when we're when we're carrying that resentment and not making the amends and, and doing those things. That relief was so absolutely incredible. And I went on, and then I did more amends. And um, um, but. The, and, and the more amends that I did, those those uh, X's or pluses and minuses, the minuses started moving over into the plus because I saw I was safe and I needed to do this and I loved the feeling of having made amends for what the harm I had caused somebody. Um, another one that, that I do differently now because in my first inventories, I never thought that I was a gossip or that I carry a sex or did carry character assassination with anybody. So, uh, um, so gossip's another one. And, and, and again, this is how I do it, and this is how I grew up in OA doing it. And and I'm not, I don't speak for all of OA at a whole. This is just the way I do it. If there's somebody that I've gossiped about or character assassinated somebody, I don't make the amends to them. I make the amends to the people I gossip to. And the amends that I make to them is for um, bringing them into my chaos and my drama. And, I mean, I would go on and on and on about it. And But what I was doing was circling them around me, protecting me. They were... Uh, um, say, it's okay, Barbara. You know, they were going to say, it's okay, they're telling me I'm okay, and that was right. And, oh, poor Barbara, I just feel so sorry for you. You have to deal with that. So that's why I make amends to them. And it's interesting, I had to make amends to a lot of people for the gossip and the chaos and all of that that I brought them through. But one of them says, oh, she says, I really liked it. But that... <laughs> And she did, and it's, you know, I don't know. Do I gossip? Sometimes do it, yes. But I make amends for it. I don't let it, I don't let it go, I don't let it go far. Um, there was another amends that I made, and this is one that had a minus on it for a long time. Um, I had a granddaughter that I had a huge resentment against, um, uh, and 
I had an interaction with her one time where I was totally, I, I've made amends to her, and I love her, and we're fine. But, but um, I had her one day, and she, she made me mad. And I, uh, I just laid into her. I don't know where that came from. I hadn't laid into anybody like that in a long time, and I just laid into her, and she's just, her eyes are wide open. And and so she went home, and she told her mother, and her mother told her grandmother, and the grandmother told all her daughters, and the father was involved. And it just, this whole thing just blew up and just went all over the place. Now, I made amends to the um, to my daughter-in-law. I made amends to my granddaughter. Uh, but I hadn't made amends to the other, the, my in-laws, the other grandmother and, or grandfather. And so, I, uh, so um, she wasn't on the minus anymore. I, I felt safe enough to do it, and so I made the amends to her. And um, when I asked her, was there anything else I've done to harm you, she said yes. <laughs> And so she told me, and, and it was something about my younger granddaughter that I did, and she had observed me doing that. And I think it, I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I said something to my other granddaughter that she didn't, she didn't like. And um, I, I nodded and I listened to her, and I really didn't remember what I had, that I had done that. But I totally know that that was really in my wheelhouse. If uh, you know, I I could have done that. I I, I, t- I totally could have done that. And so, um, because thank you, because I had gone through all of this, I'd gone through the realizations. I that that what what they did to me that I thought was so horrible, I did to them and I did to others. And and I know the hurt that this grandmother felt for her granddaughter and I said and and so I told her I said I knew that that was something that that you know I could have done and I thanked her for bringing that up to me because I would never have gone there on my own I just would have been off you know on the way I used to be I would not have known that so that that one was just super special for me but I've made all kinds of all kinds of amends um, but it's what is so nice about asking them if there's anything else or is there any other way I've harmed them it gives them a chance to talk and it gets them if they were in a resentment or still angry that gives them some peace too because I saw that happen over and over again when I asked but anyway again that is just the path I took um, that works for me um, there's happy, joyous, there's free, there's... But the big one, the really, 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 really big thing that I got from doing the men's is I don't ever want to screw over somebody or do something outlandish that I'm going to have to make another man's. I'm just, you know, I don't, you know it's, pure, it's pure selfish. I just don't want to have to do that again. But I know who I am, and I will con, um, continue to work the steps. But the ninth step... If we don't do it, we may eat again. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Barbara. And next we have Bonnie from Woodacre. My name's Bonnie. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hey, Hey, everybody. Woodacres in Marin County, it's not Woodlands or Woodside or any of those other ones. 
Um, <clears throat> so um, when I found out I was going to be last, I thought, holy crap. You know, like everybody's going to have said any, anything else. But um, I have to put my glasses on because I wrote on these little tiny cards on the airplane yesterday when I was flying in. And um, so I want to start off with uh, a prayer, which I always do when I start a writing, which I learned in one of these workshops in the very first convention that I went to, um, went to a, the writing part. And um, so I say, dear God, help me to say what others and myself need to hear today. Um, I've been 21 years in the program, and I have 17 years of imperfect abstinence. Um, thank you. I'm 72 years old, so you can do the math and decide when, when I came in. Um, but I'm a late bloomer. It takes me a while to figure out what I needed. And um, I said imperfect because perfectionism is something that I strove for, and that got me to 250-plus pounds and size 3X at the last size that had a size on it. So, you know, I say imperfectly, and that's good enough for me because uh, I don't want to go back there. Um, <clears throat> but would I like to weigh less? Yes. Would I like to be a different size? Yes. Uh, whatever that is, I don't know. Is it a 2? Is it a 4? Is it a 115? You know, like, I, I have no idea. So I just leave it up to my higher power. And, you know, through the grace of this program, uh, I got out these pants, which I haven't had on for maybe a year. They're white. You know, it's kind of that white pants thing, like, you know. And I put them on, and they fit. And that's the way it's been for about the last 16, 17 years. So whatever, you know, whatever works uh, is still working. And, um, and so in terms of weight and size, you know, I walk through a window and I'll think, ah, looking pretty darn good today. And then the next window I'll go, God, you know, how could you have that on, you know? So my body image stuff is, you know, still right up there for me. But um, I recently found, I went to an OA um, meeting in Portland, Oregon, which is where my son and his family live. And there was a little piece of paper, Was about, it's about this size, I meant to I didn't think to bring it until it was here. But it has the serenity prayer, and it actually has who authored the serenity prayer on it, which I didn't know and whose name I forget right now. But then there was a little other section that I'm not sure who came up with it. And so my one of my sponsees and I are trying to remember the second half. And so I know the first line of the second half which is, God grant me the patience with changes that take time. And so um, I'm here to talk about the ninth step. And if anybody wants to ask about any other parts of my program, then you can see me after this. I'm not going to go through 21 years of being in program. But my first, and if you're not at the ninth step, 
then you get to get to the ninth step because the steps are steps for a reason. Like we take them, you know, one step at a time, one day at a time. So I've done a lot of, I've done the steps many times, many different ways over the years with many different people. And this is just my story. So, you know, take it or leave it. Um, and uh, the saying that I like that I've heard recently is take what you need and leave the rest. Because um, most of the time I don't like anything. You know, it's like, ugh, you know. Like, um, so I don't want to do that. She does that. They do that. Ugh, you know. So anyway, but I take what I need and I leave the rest. So my first amends was to my first husband. I've only had two, but he was the first. Uh, we had sex when we were 19 years old in college, and um, I was standing on the corner, and I thought I was going to be struck by lightning afterwards, um, that you know God was just going to smite me because we weren't married, because this was, you know, I'm 72, so this was a long time ago before people lived together when they had, when they had sex. And uh, he was in the Vietnam War, and I cheated on him during the Vietnam War. And I realized I ate over that for 25 years once I came into the rooms and figured out, like, why I was compulsively overeating. And uh, so I had no idea where he was. I married my second husband, who was the person that I cheated on uh, with, and um, and so I, but I knew I needed to make amends to him. So I had heard in the rooms that you could write a letter, and then you could hang it on a tree, you could tear it up and put it in a stream. I had wood stoves until a couple of years ago, when I finally got something that you could just push the button, right? And you know, and which uh, is thank you, God, and. Uh, it, really, and um, because it costs a lot of money, and I thought, you know, but God said, Bonnie, it's time. You're 70 years old. You don't need to carry wood anymore. And But anyway, I had a wood stove, and uh, so I burned it, and it went out into the universe. And a week later, he called my mother. Yeah, he called my mother. So you've got to be careful about those nine steps. Because those people can show up if they're not dead. And, uh, you know, and she had a long talk with him, and then um, he wanted my phone number. Well, she didn't feel comfortable giving him my phone number, so uh, she got his. So then, woo, now I get to call him, right? And I'm married to the other guy. So I had to wait till the other guy left was out for the day and uh, and so I could have a phone call conversation with my first husband it was so nice and uh, and he made amends to me too because we were young we were only married two and a half years and we only got married because we had to not I wasn't pregnant thank gosh we didn't have any children you know that we had to to go with but that was my first amends so I think that you know that God sent that off into the universe and brought it back to me 
and that was just such a gift. Um, another one, and then my children were grown-ups, you know, because I came in late in life. And so I had to make amends to each of them separately about not being present for them a lot of times. Because I'd, I'd go away in, like into a room and I'd eat, and I'd be eating, like stuffing stuff. And they'd be, Mom, Mom, and I wouldn't answer, you know, because I was just too busy eating. And also I'd get angry, you know, like if they'd eat something out of the refrigerator or take things that, you know, I had been looking forward to have in the refrigerator and I'd yell at them. And so I had to make amends to my grown-up children. Both of them were very gracious and said they still loved me. So that was really good. Um, And um, another one was uh, an amends that someone made to me. And there was this, uh, I taught school for 25 years in in one small school in our community. And so, you know, we're kind of inbred in a way. We see each other at the pool, at the market, you know, at school, at, uh, you know. And, uh, And so as a teacher, a lot of times parents didn't like what was going on with their kid, right? And so I was, I remember telling this one parent, you know, about her daughter. Uh, This is when I taught fourth and fifth grade, and then I moved on to middle school. But anyway, and, uh, and, um, and I was really kind, but she was really a bitch. And just, you know, like, just like, like one of those nightmare parents. And then I heard that she was in a 12-step program. This is years later. Thank you. And, um, and she, and I thought, oh, well, that's good. So I was coming out of the bathroom, and around the corner, here she came, and we were face-to-face. And she was ready, and she made amends to me at that time. And... Um, and of course, I was really gracious and you know thanked her for it, because one of the things that I've learned in program is like sometimes when people give you a compliment and you say, "Oh, you know, don't hit don't no, that kind of negates their their complimentary thing. So now I just say thank you. That's very kind of you. So that's what I said to her. I said, thank you. I said, that's really kind of you. And then we talked a little bit about 12 steps. So, you know, it's the ninth step goes around, comes around. It's like a spiral. It just keeps moving. Um, another one, and uh, I didn't take anything from a grocery store, but sometimes you have things on that bottom, you know, part. And so everything got checked out, and it's hot, and I'm all the way out in my car, and then I see that. And I want to just put it in my car and say, oh, I'm going to do it next time I'm at the store, but no, I don't get to do that. So then I haul it back in, you know, and I say, you didn't charge me for this. And then I pay them, and they say, wow. You know, that's really, that's really special because I guess that happens a lot. I don't know. But anyway, um, I think that what the ninth step is about for me is cleaning up my side of the street. 
Uh, and so with my second husband, he left. He married a cute blonde, kind of your nightmare, you know, like 26 years younger, blonde, big boobs, cute, you know, smart, graduate of MIT. How can I compete with that, you know? And, um, and so during the breakup process, I had the ability to make amends to him for my side of the street. Because I think in any kind of relationship, there's always two sides, or at least two sides. And um, it took me a long time to forgive him, though. I was able to make my side of the street, but he drove a little red truck. And I would see that little red truck, and I would wish him health and happiness because that's what I wished for myself. Not really for him, but for me, yes. And then what I had to do is I had to turn it around and wish myself health and happiness first and then wish him health and happiness. So once I did that, then I was able to heal myself and then see him. Did it take two weeks? No, it took two years, took five years. Sometimes I still see little red trucks and I go, oh, okay, God, I wish you health and happiness because that's what I wish for myself. I still have to do it. You know, because we were married uh, 33 years, and um, and we were together 36. So it, it took a lot of program and a lot of healing to move on from that. And then at some point, I got the message from my higher power that I had to wish his wife that as well. <laughs> so... I can do that now, but they live in Virginia, and I don't have to see them. They're 3,000 miles away. I pale in comparison to what if they live, like, down the street. I don't know, but it's really easy 3,000 miles away. Thank you, God, for that also. Um, and then um, another, another one that didn't work out like you want it to. I have these really uh, good friends, and... Um, and after my husband left, it was like I was in in a fog or jello or something. And all of a sudden, they just didn't, they stopped calling, stop, you know. And um, I found it really hurtful. I found it all about them. But then I got to thinking about it several years later about what was my side of the street in this. And so I called them up. And I went over and I individually spoke with each of them about my side of the street, asked them if there was anything else they'd like to know or talk with me about. And they said, no, no, that's all water under the bridge. Thank you. And um, as it turned out, I never heard from them again for about four or five years. And... Um, and, you know, I thought, oh, it's all going to go back to the way it was, but it didn't. Um, my most recent amends, I don't know who Jerry is who scheduled the speakers, but I didn't, I, I said I would speak, but I didn't commit to signing up for the convention until almost the last day of it. So she had to keep sending me reminder notice. Oh, you haven't signed up for the convention yet. Oh, you haven't signed up for the convention yet. And so I had, once I did, I realized I needed to make her amends. Because why should she be, she did, she did all the speakers and she did all this stuff. And here I'm making her, you know, 
contact me over and over again. So I, I made an amends to her most recently. And all of this is to keep myself well. It's, help, it's to keep myself well. And I'm sure some of you know, but the ninth step is a promise. And it's on page 83 of the big book. And, um, and my sponsor, my most recent sponsor, said that on page 83, the spiritual life is not a theory and it leads to the promises. So in my last few minutes, I just want to say that at the bottom of page 83, it says, if we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. I don't know where halfway is. I think they should change that to till we're done, buried, you know, like, you know. But anyway, halfway, whatever that is. And we're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. And I'm here to say that that is true for me. So if it's true for me and I'm just a regular person, one of you, one of everybody, then, you know, you make your nine-step amends and you continue to make them in the ten-step and you will know a new freedom and a new happiness. It's a promise. It's a promise. And I didn't make it. It was made a long time ago. And then, um, let's see what I want to say. Um, we will not regret the past, nor will we wish to shut the door on it. Well, I've already shared some of my really regretful past. And, um, and I don't wish to shut the door on that. And uh, if my husband and his two children and his new wife move back to Marin, well, I hope that I can be as kind to them as I am to myself and to my true friends um let's see um we will have economic security when he left and i only had my teacher salary and a you know and a mortgage and you know kids and grant you know like whatever all the bills and stuff i didn't know how that would work out but i'd been in program long enough not to worry about it and it did work out and it will work out. Um, we relax and take it easy, and the right answers will come. You know, sometimes on, you know, like on a, um, I don't know how to download music. So uh, I told my daughter that, and she said, Mom, I don't either. So then I feel, okay, that's it. that generation doesn't. There are other, my grandson who's five will probably know how to do that in a few months. But, um, but you know, like the fast, thank you, one minute. The fast forward, you know, the play and the pause. Push that pause button, you know, like relax, take it easy. Um, are these extravagant promises? There's more. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They will materialize for those if we work for them. Amen. Thank you. God love Bonnie. Thank you, Bonnie. I'd like to thank all our speakers. Fantastic. The meeting is now open for three-minute pitches. Greg, great job on timing. Do you want to keep timing for the three-minute shares? He's the bomb. Um, 
Okay, so if you want to come up to the podium and share about this topic, you're more than welcome to. Uh, you can sign the release form when you do that, and or I will hunt you down afterwards. Um, we ask that you limit your share to three minutes and confine your share to your experience, strength, and hope on the topic discussed today. This session will end at 2 p.m. Come on down. Hi, my name is Amy, and I'm a compulsive overeater. I just wanted to share my experience of the ninth step. Um, I'm so grateful for my sponsor allowing me to take an easy one first, um, and that was my father. And um, my father was a minister, a very, very sweet man. And I think of the amend as something easy because it was I had stolen some money off his dresser when I was a teenager. And that wasn't the worst thing. It was when he asked me if I had done it, and then I said no and lied. And so um, about eight years ago when I was starting um, my ninth-step process, he, um, I said, you know, I did this. And he just waved his hand and said, I forgive you. Um, now, I know that we don't do this um, for, for forgiveness, um, that just was his way because it, it didn't matter to me what his response was. I'm just very grateful that um, he that we were good because three days later he passed away. And so I want to tell you that this program gave me my relationship with my father. Um, and that wasn't only the only miracle, the the hard, Ninth step was my mother, um, and that took a very long. It took probably two or three years, even after my father passed away, that I could even make amends to my mother and tell her that I want to be the daughter that she deserves. And that miracle was that I was looking for a prayer partner. I thought it was going to be a friend in program. I thought it was going to be even, you know, just a friend not in program. And it's ended up being my mother. Um, we we pray together, um, maybe not every day, but tr- we try every other day. And that again has is because of this program. So I want to thank you for letting me share. Hi, I'm Sarah, Recovered Compulsive Eater. Hey, Sarah. Um, I definitely wanted to do a shout-out for, um, for amends. Uh, they're such, powerful, such a powerful thing. Um, and I know that for the longest time, I, you know, I had a lot of fear, and you know, who wants to do those? Ookie, yucky, yucky. Um, and so my, the, the first time that I you know, really felt like um, I did a, a thorough job and, and got through it, um, my sponsor was really great because she, you know, she had me make my list and then she, you know, she, you know, she had me like write out exactly, you know, what I would say. And then I read it to her and she's like, well, let's review that a little bit. Um, and so like we went through like word for word, like what would be a good thing for me to say and, and, you know, and, and really got it to a place, you know, to something that would be, you know, accurate as an amend 
um, as well as you know something I felt comfortable saying in the situation. And then I would write it down um, on an index card, um, and like I had a plan, you know. So I'd like take one at a time, and I'd write it down on an index card, and and like target one person at a time. And so like for my son, I wrote down what I was going to say, put it in my pocket, and then you know just ask for my higher powers help throughout the day to kind of like you know please give me an opportunity. And the opportunity came when we were driving in the car, and I just kind of said my piece, you know, which was. You know something about you know, like I'm his mom, so I'm like sorry for yelling at you all the time, and really you don't deserve that, and um, you know, and I love you very much, and and I just I got this really surprising response from him, which you know I can't remember what it was, but I, it was just like like he, he's a teenager, and so usually the conversation is like, uh, <laughs> um, and instead like we had this lovely conversation that, and I was it was just. It was so lovely that um, that it um, it just it really touched me that you know that like that was a lovely reward for my having the willingness to make an amends to my teenage son um, and and also I, I find that the more often I do it um, the easier it gets and I have more willingness more and more willingness to do it because I don't want to eat. I don't want to eat. And so my most recent amends was this morning. What I really wanted to do was sleep in, and what I really needed to do was get out of bed and um, take care of something so that um, somebody's life was not made more difficult because I wanted to sleep in. Um, and so I got up, and I took care of it, and I was, like, going going back up to my room, going, you know, those stupid amends. And I'm like, you know, and then I had my absent breakfast, and, I had my abstinent lunch, and, um, and and I'm abstinent, and it's like it's all good. It's like my life is clean, and I really appreciate that. Thank you. Good afternoon, beloved members of OA. I'm Julie, recovering compulsive overeater. I'm so grateful to be here today. Thank you, lovely speakers, for your experience, strength, and hope. So my issue is I have an issue with the relationship priorities of my life. And when I work step four, three of my characteristics are control, caretaking and black and white thinking. So when I do step five, it says we share with God, ourselves, and another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. So when I work step eight, I make the list and I follow that same order, God, myself, and the human being, other human being. So when I make an amends to God, it's not, God, I'm so sorry I made a mistake. It's, oops, I forgot about you. <laughs> I forgot to bring you in. It's, it's an acknowledgement of my higher power. And then myself, I make an amends to myself for holding on to the shame and beating myself up that my inner spiritual gangster <laughs> comes out, and I'm constantly beating myself up. And then others, the other day I was working with my co-sponsor, and I started controlling her. I, she shared her experience, strength, and hope, and I started meddling, and then I was able to, the next day during my meditation, 
to do that step 10, which is clean my house up. And I made an amends to her for caretaking and just not listening. And we're cool. So the, the, whole, the steps are done in order for specific reasons so I can have that spiritual awakening in step 12 and share it with my beloveds. Thank you. That is all the time we have for sharing, except for me. Um, <laughs> I'm Nancy, a compulsive overeater. And I just wanted to mention, um, when I was asked to, to be of service at the convention, I said, sure, you know, just have me do anything. And I got the email and said, you'll be a moderator of one of the workshops. And then later on, I got the, the um, notification that it would be making amends. And I told my sponsor, and she laughed because that's the step I'm on. And uh, one of the speakers had mentioned um, something about the grocery store not paying something, and it, it reminded me today that I have one more to add to my list because what I used to do at the health food store and the bins, I'd, I'd say, you know, my hands are clean. I, I can stick my hands in there and eat. And then I would do that and graze all through the bins and be eating. And then that wasn't that much because it was just a handful, but it was like this was the handful. So I need to go get bags of that stuff, weigh them, pay them, and then go throw it back in the bin again. So thank you for that. Um, anyway, it's now time to close this session. Let's thank our speakers and all who have done service for the session. Yay! If you enjoyed this workshop, we encourage you to stop by the All-Star Media Table to order copies of the session or any of the other sessions. All workshops and main speaker events are being recorded and are um, available on CD as an electronic download. Please join hands as we close with the third step prayer that you'll find on page eight of your program. Thank you, Greg. Thank you so much.